I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. All right. Hi, I'm talking today with Amy Marson. She's been the publisher at CNT Publishing for 17 years and who also happens to be my publisher. Um, because of that, we know each other really well. So I wanted to start out with some questions for you, Amy, that I don't think I actually know the answers to. So I was wondering, how did you get started in publishing specifically? So I started off in magazine publishing with um, a family-owned business called BAM Magazine, Bay Area Music. And I worked for them for about seven years. And then um, they sold our flagship magazine, Microtimes. And so when they did that, um, a lot of people were going to lose their jobs. So I did a carve out uh, to a company called Haas Publishing and brought 13 people with me. And we went and did production for them because I started off as a on the business side of that company being an assistant to the publisher. And then I became the director of production and I oversaw all the creative people. And so then when I moved to the new company, I was a um, director of production there. Well, and so when did crafting and quilting become part of your publishing career? I had been a crafter and a sewer for much of my, um, much of my life. Like I made costumes and baby clothes and baby blankets and things like that. And so when I interviewed at CNT in 2000, I remember coming in and seeing this amazing quilt by Ruth McDowell. It was one of her, I think it was pieced vegetables and thinking if I could come to work every day and make work on books and get to see beautiful projects like Ruth's quilt, that that would be my dream job. Well, so the guilty question is, I guess, when you first started working in the quilting category, did you know how to quilt? Um, I knew how to make what I would call baby blankets, like sewing a panel and then putting a binding on it. Um, I didn't really know how to make a quilt. So I made my first quilt with... um for, for Jesse, when he graduated from high school, which is, which was in 2003, 2001. Wow. That was so long ago. Um, I think it was 2003. And since I didn't know anything about quilting, you know, really I did, um, I made a denim quilt and I included rivets and the seams and the pockets. <laughs> and a zipper and uh, sewed all the pieces together and then brought it to the office to trim it down. And probably the whole editorial staff was out there watching me trim it down. So I did it on the front patio. <laughs> I want to see that sometime. Uh, I got it somewhere. Well, so that was kind of something new for you. But now what kind of projects do you do in your free time? So I always have 
at least one quilt project going with one in the wings ready to be started. So when I'm sewing one project together, I'll be working on picking fabric and designing the next project. So right now I've got a baby quilt that I'm putting a binding on and going to send off to a great niece. And then I have um, a quilt that I'm getting ready to work on for my nephew who's graduating from college. And then what else do I have going? Oh, I've got the kiss painting that I'm embroidering um, that I work on when I fly. And then I have another embroidery project that I'm working on. And then, oh, I just finished making a stack of books into a little light that I had seen someone selling something like it and sent it off to Becky Goldsmith because we did a trade for I'd make her a book light and she would make me a tin man wind chime. So (laughs) that's pretty unique. I want to see the wind chime now too. I will send you a picture. Uh, Well, so what I always wonder is what inspires you to try something totally new? Um, I get bored easily. So I really love to be challenged. And I, I, I love the opportunity to have no idea how to do something and to get all the components or what I think I need and then try to figure it out. Um, and I will look things up on Pinterest or on YouTube, but I really just love figuring out how to make something from nothing. So that's what I love to do. Well, and so you've been working in publishing for quite a while. And as we both know, the publishing industry has been really turbulent for a number of years. So I was wondering what you would say was the single hardest change or hurdle to overcome. Hmm. There have been a lot. I think the recession was really hard because that's the first time in my career I had seen um, consumers just stop buying things, especially books, you know, things they considered a luxury good. Um, I remember when we thought the sky was falling when Amazon started selling used books, uh, jumping into ebooks and thinking that that was the end of publishing. Um, there's so many. The hardest one, um, I think is just having to continually restructure your organization to stay relevant as the market changes. You know, you get, You'll have something like, um, you know, Instagram, when that came up, all of a sudden that dramatically changed where people got aspirational and inspirational images. Pinterest came along a few years later. And it's those kinds of things that happen that all of a sudden change your business model, although they're not connected to your business model. So how do you feel that we've been able to remain relevant through all of the industry upheaval? Um, I think we have a great group of people who are uh, really committed to what we're doing, to uh, the books and products and to our tribe and our messaging. And they want to continue to curate content and put it out there in the best possible format uh, with really complete information. So. I feel like, um, you know, what you do with acquisitions and what Galen Rungi, our creative director, does in terms of 
research and looking for new opportunities and figuring out processes to streamline. Um, I think most of all, it's not being complacent and not thinking, let's do what we always do because we know how to do that and it works because um, it doesn't. And we saw that when we outsourced our warehousing, we'd had our own warehouse for as long as the company had been in business, so close to 35 years. And since outsourcing that and getting out of the warehousing business, it's really allowed our company to change and develop and do new things. Well, and so I'm wondering, like, in, in your opinion, what was the best change or innovation, like maybe something that didn't seem like an opportunity at the time? Um, I would say uh, having the opportunity to share our images on Pinterest, we, we get over 2 million image views a month on Pinterest. And if anybody would have ever told me that that was the case, I would have, it, it just seems beyond belief. And we have a few thousand images up. So they're getting looked at over and over and over again. And, and that it's the biggest driver of, um, of tribe members to our website. So I think that's one of the biggest changes. Well, and I know for the longest time in our industry, it the mantra was don't share content, don't let it out there. Do you feel like that those types of social media have changed that belief? Oh, yeah. I think that uh, it's changed that belief. And it also has allowed us as publishers to not feel like we need to hold the reins so tightly. Because in the past, book publishers, especially in our creative industry, felt like they needed to control all the rights. And if you had an author who did free motion quilting, they, you know, they had to do everything with you. And now, you know, we encourage our authors to do lots of different things, whether it's working with um, an online video platform like Creative Bug or them doing it themselves and putting video classes up or doing sew-alongs. Uh, we actually encourage authors to do that and to try to grow their brand and their people, um, their discoverability so that uh, it it's good for the book. It's good for anything else they choose to do in the future to be diversified and to have a brand of their own that they're promoting and that is being discovered. Well, and I know that when I first came to CNT, one thing that I learned kind of in the very early, early days was that even though I was still in the publishing industry, I was also just as fully in the quilting industry, which are two very different industries. Yes. Do you feel like there are any additional issues to overcome by straddling two different industries? I think it's a little tough because um, I was recently appointed to the board of Hub West, and it's the first time I've ever really felt like I belong to the publishing industry because the quilting industry is so big. It's over $2 billion a year. And if you add in sewing, it's closer to $5 billion total, um, you know, we're so immersed in the quilting and sewing industry that it feels like that takes up so much of your time. And the publishing industry, 
feels like, well, that's really for people who are publishing fiction books or self-help books or um, biographies or, you know, autobiographies, things like that. And that we didn't really fit in the publishing world, but I feel like we do more now and companies, they're more small independent publishers. So they're more open to realizing even though you really specialize in a niche, you still have a lot of value and information that you can share with other publishing organizations. Well, and so where do you see the industry going in the near term? Well, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in our industry as far as like uh, F&W being for sale and having seen quite a bit of consolidation in the last five years in uh, craft book publishing, I feel like it's still vibrant and strong. And I feel like it's important for us as publishers to keep reminding our readers that we curate content for them because so much of, for anyone who's on social media or who uses the internet to search you know, finding something unique and different that has been curated for you is tough. You know, you just sort of get overwhelmed with all the stuff that you see. And the nice thing about book publishers is we're constantly curating content. That's what we do. We go through a lot of stuff and say, no, 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 no. And then we pick something and then we say, how can we make it better? Yeah, I do think it would be surprising to to find out what a small percentage of what we see actually ends up in a book. Yes, yes. And I think it's, I would say it's probably close to the 80-20 rule where we take 20% and that accounts for 80% of the sales. Um, Well, where do you see, where do you see us going in the far term? Not us in particular, but maybe us as an industry. I think that the quilting and sewing industry is going to get stronger and more robust as people want to be more in touch with their creative side, um, sewing garments, sewing for, uh, for fun, um, things like cosplay, doing handwork like embroidery, things that are portable. Those kinds of things have a really positive effect on people's mental health. And I think that as we become more and more screen focused, the opposite of that is doing work with your hands. And so I feel like it's going to continue to grow and people are going to see it for what it is, which is a really relaxing pastime that's a lot of fun that you end up with a beautiful result at the end and you get to touch really amazing stuff while you're doing it, whether it's fabric or felt or embroidery floss or pearl cotton or silks or whatever. It All of that stuff is good for you. Well, and this is a little bit open-ended, but you're pretty good at being predictive. So I'm wondering what you think people should be on the lookout for next. I've been thinking about that for a little while because I can definitely sense that something's happening and I'm just not 100% sure what is happening yet. I feel like merging together sort of what's going on in the media and uh, personalizing it for yourself, whether it's through cosplay or garment sewing, um, 
I think embroidery is going to continue to trend up. And I think that we're going to see um, a resurgence in art quilting from the modern quilt guild people. I think that we're already seeing it. And I think that they are going to jump in with both feet and really get into art quilting in the next five years. All right. And, you know, this has kind of become my signature question. In part, it's because I can't help myself. But something that people learn about you once they get to know you is that you have a remarkably good sense of humor, um, especially when things are not going well. So I was wondering, do you have any great stories or what's something that at the time seemed to go really horribly wrong, but at the end is something that you do laugh about later? There are a few. Um, I think my favorite one was the time that I was meeting with an author, Lynn Ferris, and we were in the conference room and our um, warehouse manager at the time, Andy, came running up to the door and threw the door open. And he's like, you need to come now. And I looked at him and he's a big guy. He's over six feet tall and his hands are covered in blood. And I'm like, uh... I'm like, Lynn, would you excuse me? And I walk over to him and I'm like, are you hurt? And so we went into the kitchen and I was wiping, I had him wash his hands and he was having a hard time saying what was going on. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, the warehouse guys are fighting. And I'm like, okay, well, that took him 45 seconds to get out. So I go running out to the warehouse and I realize there are two men out there fighting and I'm a tall woman, but I'm not a strong woman. And so I walked out and I clapped my hands and I yelled to stop. And they did. And I told one of them, go here and the other one, go here. Then I made sure they got cleaned up and I dealt with it and I sent them home. And then I walked back in and I sat down and I started talking to the author, just starting up the conversation where I had left off. And she burst out laughing and she's <laughs> like, well, you, you're going to just go do all that and then come back in and sit down like nothing happened. And I'm like, well, yeah, we were in the middle of something. Let's finish it. And it made me realize uh, that I'm an, a bit of an odd duck when it comes to stuff like that. And um, I now I think it's a funny story because there were so many crazy things that went on that day, you know, from standing up when I made one of the guys sit down so that I didn't feel intimidated. And it was just this crazy situation of, you know, it's a quilt book company, for goodness sakes. You don't expect to break up a fist fight. So... <laughs> That is true. That that probably is not something I've ever done. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it because, you know, it could have gone horribly wrong, but it didn't. So at least I haven't done it at this job. Um, so where if people wanted to see more of you, more of your work, um, where would they go? So um, I do have an Instagram account cleverly named Amy Marson. And uh uh, it also posts on Facebook, but, and then on our blog and, um, on CNT's blog, I post sometimes some of my work. And then, um, I've been making videos for CNT on YouTube about embroidery. And so that's where you can really see what I'm working on. And I have a funny video that they put up about what's in my craft bag. So. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, if anybody finds that intriguing, I would encourage you to go look at it. So, and I think those are all of the questions I can think of. And I just wondered, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I think that one of the things that I think people wonder about is what a publisher is, because it's such a, 
You're like, oh, I work at a publishing company. What do you do? I'm the publisher. What does that mean? And I think that one of the things that's been so great at CNT over these 17 years that I've been publisher is I've been an executive producer for videos a few times um, at various points. I've run every department in the company at least once, editorial production, the warehouse, um, sales, marketing, IT, HR, uh, <laughs> manufacturing. And, uh, and I think it's so much fun. And right now, you know, basically what I do is I run the day to day operations of the organization and I oversee directly sales and marketing and I handle half of the company's revenue, generating that revenue. So it's, it's always changing and it's never dull. And that's part of what I love about being at CNT and why I've stayed so long is that if I say, oh, I wonder if we could do this, I just get to give it a try. All right. Yeah, that I have to say is something that you don't get everywhere. I know that. I know that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, thank you so much for carving some time out of your day. And I'm sure I will talk to you and see you very soon. All right. Thanks, Roxanne. That was fun. It's always a pleasure to talk with my friend and colleague, Amy Marson. We hope you enjoyed the interview. Share it with your friends and remember to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.